on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Now, guys, Ireland's next great golf course, Kirklow Links, was announced just a few weeks ago, owned by the Neville Group and part of the Ravenport Resort. Kirklow Links is likely to be one of, if not the last brand new Links course to be built in Ireland. The architects tasked with this ambitious project are Dana Fry and Jason Straker, both of whom join me now. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing really well. Thanks, Johnny. Yep, doing real good. Look forward to talking to you. So I guess for uh, our audience is, is primarily Irish. So where are you both dialing in from, both I guess regionally and then specifically? I think we're actually both home today, which is highly unusual. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually dialing in from Dublin, Ohio. That's where I live. So my trip, uh, yeah, but it's going to be Dublin to Dublin. I live in Naples, Florida. So for people that may not be as kind of in the weeds uh, as, as I might be or as we might be when it comes to golf course architecture, um, starting with yourself, Dana, would you be able to just talk us through your resumes individually to the point where both of you then just set up Fry Striker? Yeah, my, my background is I played college golf at the University of Arizona in the early 80s. And then um, I happened to meet Tom Vazio's right-hand man, and it was in a bar. And uh, I was in my getting ready to start my senior year of college, and Tom Fazio was starting a new course in Tucson, Arizona, called Ventana Canyon. Uh, the gentleman whose name is Andy Banfield, and he still works for Tom Fazio today. This was nine. This was 1980. He um, had me out to the job site, and they were just starting to clear uh, cactus and moving trees and shrubs around. And uh, he offered me a part-time job, and after you know after that job finished it became a full-time job and i never finished my senior year of college but i learned how to build golf courses from the fazio group when working with andy and tom fazio for five years and in 1988 i met i was introduced to dr hertzen by pete and alice die at a trade show the golf industry it's called the golf industry show now it used to be the golf superintendent's show it's what it was used to be called and they introduced me to Mike, and he told me about a job he was going to do in Toronto called the Devil's Pulpit for the two gentlemen that founded the game Trivial Pursuit. And um, he said, before I make a decision on who I go to work with, come look at the site. I did, and basically I, I moved up there for a year, and we built that golf course, which is called the Devil's Pulpit. And um, then, uh, he, and then you know, I went on to work with Mike for 24 years. We became partners in, I think it was 1992, if I remember correctly. And, you know, we worked together till 2012 when Mike decided to slow down. Meanwhile, Jason uh, had come to work with us uh, we, for 17 years before we became partners. So we worked together for a very long time before we became partners in July of 2012. And since that time, it's been called Fry Straka. And you'll find out real quickly, as will your audience today, that 
Jason is the smart one in this group. And uh, Donnie and does that to me all the time, you know. Well, like because, it's, because it's the truth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my background really is in getting projects built. And I'd say now my biggest strength is I've been traveling so much for so long that I have a lot of contacts all over the world. And that, it has been a big reason why we've gotten so many international jobs over the last, you know, decade. No question about it. Yeah, he is a traveling <laughs> machine. <laughs> and Jason, from uh, from from your side, I guess your 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 journey to to the striker side of Fry Striker. Yeah, I did not play golf uh, at the University of Arizona. I played a year at Cornell, so <laughs> that's not quite the same. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate. I started off in greenkeeping, so I did that like, for three years. Not because I wanted to be a greenkeeper, but because I I knew that as a golf course architect, everything that we do has a direct impact on maintenance and vice versa. Uh, so that's how I, I really got my start. Uh, as I mentioned, I attended Cornell University at that time, primarily because of Robert Trent Jones' uh, background. That's where he went to school and he was able to craft uh, a whole curriculum to help you know his and further his career based out of the landscape architecture department. I was fortunate when I was there um, that if they're a few years older than I am, that I met Tom Doak and Gil Hands and, a guy named Jim Rubina, uh, who's gone on for his own successful career. Um, but of course, all three of those gentlemen are extremely well known. Of course, St. Patrick's being Tom's course uh, in Ireland there. Uh, and so um, they became my early mentors and I studied under, under them at Cornell. Uh, when I was there, I'd also met a guy named Dr. Norm Hummel. Uh, Norm was a leading soil scientist and agronomist in sports industry in particular golf. So he had rewritten the USJ green specifications. That's how I ended up coming to know Mike Herdson. Uh, they, the two of them wrote a greens construction seminar, taught it worldwide for Lord knows, I don't even know, 20, 30 years. Uh, and so Norm had introduced me to Mike. I ended up staying at Cornell uh, after a couple of years of golf construction on the East coast of the U S uh, when I at Cornell, I got my master's degree in agronomy and environmental design, and my master's thesis was on the first environmental demonstration and research golf course uh, designed and built in North America. That came out of our old office, uh, then Herds and Fry. So I went to work for Mike and Dana back in the early 90s. Um, as Dana said, I was there for 17 years. So we've traveled together. We've uh, done almost 30 years now, hard to believe. My God, where does time go? It's, uh, it's fast. It sure does. <laughs> everybody says that, you know, and then you look at him and go, oh yeah, that's, you know, everybody just sort of says that. But when you get on the other side of it, you look back and you're like, oh, where did time go? So works are set to begin, I guess, as people are listening to this, Jason, you'll be, you'll be boots on the ground. You'll be in Ireland here now. You'll be at, uh, on, on the golf course. But I'd love to go back to the very start of the process, if if I could, and and how did this project first come upon your guys' radar? Was there was there a bidding process, or or did so were did the Neville family or someone approach you directly? Well, so the Neville family, prior to you know now that they actually had they bought and remodeled now Druids Glen, so they just finished the hotel renovation there as well. Uh, but prior to that, they were not involved in golf. I mean, they're hoteliers and they have properties in Dublin and around the five counties uh, where it is and then in New York City. 
but they had known a gentleman named John Clarkin actually introduced them to the property there in Curaclo, you know, that some odd 28 years ago. So it was sort of ironic uh, that he identified that property, said this really you know, needs to be a golf course, had met Seamus Neville, uh, introduced him to the property. Seamus ended up buying it. And then the long process, you know, permitting began. Uh, so we do work with John and his company all over the world. So he was tasked with putting together a list of designers uh, to interview with the Neville group, um, which we were fortunate to be one of them. And uh, obviously put our best foot forward and we're fortunate to be selected for the job. How does that, what's that bidding process look like? I mean, do you, do you, I mean, obviously you, you get a brief from, from the shame from the Neville family and, and from the, their team, but I guess, I guess what, what goes into the, the bid from your side in terms of layout for the course, do you get to look at the site or what are you provided with to put your bid together? Yeah, we absolutely. So we made multiple trips to the site. I think I went over first time on my own just to meet Seamus and get an idea of what the project was. And I mean, quite honestly, it's a two way interview process. We, we need to make sure that it's something that we want to take on uh, that's going to be done correctly. Uh, right. So it, it goes again, it goes both ways. When I got back, I was obviously very excited about it. Talked with Dana. Uh, we made another trip over together. Uh, again, investigated the site, met with the family, met with all the people who you know, would be involved on the planning side of things, put together, um, I would say a design competition, put together different layouts of what could be done on the property and what our vision was, and then went back over for a third time and did that presentation. So, I mean, it was a really, it was three trips for us, um, and then plus all the negotiation in between. How long a process is that between the three trips and negotiations? Because I imagine oh, months. not so yeah, much. Yeah, months. Yeah. Of course, everybody wants to hurry up and do it, but it's it's months. It takes time. And if we're going to do it well, obviously, God, our, once we understood what the project was, and of course, Dana and I always wanting to, it's everybody's, should say everybody, every golf course architect's dream of working in Ireland. So once we understood that it was going to be an excellent project, you know, then you put your fourth year best effort and on on time. But it was months. So this is your first project as as a duo in Ireland. When you when you got boots on the ground and saw the site in the first place, I I've I've been on to a few golf courses that are currently under construction and at different points of their construction process. I'm always kind of um, stunned by the just the vision that that people like yourselves have when you look at a, a piece of property which obviously doesn't have a golf course there. But underneath all the shrubs and trees and Lingsland or whatever it is, there is a golf course there. What was your first impression when you saw the course? And I guess, how quickly did you see the, the course that, is, that you're rooting now? Go ahead, Dana. You could take that. Well, I think the initial thing is the scale of it. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's not small contours like you see on some of the Lynx golf courses hard by the sea where the real abrupt contours and smaller where you just fit things in. This is more big. It's got big rolls and big valleys. Fortunate that it's all in sand. So that, that was prerogative. That's number one, because that's probably the key ingredient to making a great golf course over in that part of the world. So it had the key ingredient of the sand, the big scale, and then it's just more envisioning. So there, you have to do a little bit of work here, cutting through some of the ridges, and do a little bit of fill in some of the valleys. But the goal, if you if you know how to do these things right, is to make it look like you move nothing. 
And that is what we're trying to so It's not a big dirt job, not certainly not by our standards where we're used to moving in cases millions of cubic meters or cubic yards, as we say in the U.S. I mean, this is not nothing like that type of thing. It's a, it's it's a you know little cuts for some sight lines, uh, a little bit of fill for tees and greens, and that's it. And the bunkers will be really, really semblant will remind people what you see in ireland right now on the links golf courses because we can just go in and cut into the hillsides with a little bit of a with a backhoe and you can leave some of those native grasses right on the back edges and the bunkers will look 100 years old the day the golf course opens and that's the intent is to make it look like it was always there yeah the nice thing is is that so we're not doing revetted bunkers johnny so we are going to be doing uh more of the blowout links style, you know, non-revetted bunkers, but everything's going to be hydro-seeded, hydro-mulched. So, and we have the time. I think that was another key ingredient too, is, is that it's not a big push to get this finished and open. We're going to have the time to handcraft it. So even though we're starting construction uh, in February, my goal is to maybe have a few holes seeded at the end of summer, um, but that's not even mandated right by the client and the contractor that's just if the weather is going well and we make good progress uh, you know that's me i think that we can get that done uh, you know their big push is going to be seeding early next spring and then letting it grow in all the way through next year as we move along and then with an opening in 2026 uh, we hope to have some media rounds and maybe some tour operator preview rounds you know and that might be nine holes could be 12 holes could be all 18 holes at the end of uh, next season um, you know but once those bunkers as Dana's talking about you know it's sort of edged out rough shaped we're going to hydro seed them and let them grow in and then go back in and edge them by hand so it'll have an instant old look to it wow yeah the, the fact that it'll look like it's uh the bunkers are 100 years old and, and it won't be your riveted saw bunkers I think that kind of will, will play into the older style of, of Irish links golf courses. So, so when you, when you came here, when you, when you did your sides, then you've, you said before you've been to our, been to Ireland a lot, did you, do you look anywhere in particular for similar or inspiration from a golf course or do you, are you looking for something totally unique, unique? And if so, how do you make anything unique nowadays in golf? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you're always looking for different, um, pre we call them precedent studies, you know, examples, if you will. So Dana and I have traveled extensively all through Ireland. Uh, Irish golf is some of my favorite. So um, you know, there's always elements to it, but the overall aesthetic to it, we want to bring something that's different. So we actually look more towards uh, American links, if you want to call it that. You know, some people would take uh, maybe some offense to that. Uh, but one course in particular in terms of the stylistic uh, was done by actually our favorite modern day golf course architects, Bill Corbett and Crenshaw, uh, who designed a place called Friar's Head. So if you're looking for a similar, similar aesthetic with exposed uh, sandy dunes, um, you know, sort of the blowout bunker style, um, the contouring, you know, that, that's one that we have our eye on. Again, just because there's nothing like it. Everybody always wants to know, give me a golf course in Ireland that's like what you guys are going to do. Well, that's the whole point. We want to create something completely unique. I honestly don't know how many great golf courses. I don't know how many golf courses I've even toured personally in my lifetime. It's well north of 2000. I always joke that I think other than Tom Doak, I don't know of anybody that's probably seen more golf courses than me in the last 40 years. I've been a Raider for Golf Magazine for the top 100 in the world. 
Tom Doak used to be in charge of that panel, and he put me on the panel back around 1989 or so. It's a long time ago. And um, so when I was working with Fazio, Andy Banfield instilled in me really early. He's Tom's right-hand man still to this day. He's in his mid to late 70s. He's still working with him. He uh, instilled in me where you really learn the most is from seeing other golf courses, particularly the great ones. They can be either whether they're the good modern courses or the great old golf courses. Um, and that's what I focus my, when I travel, like when I go to Ireland, one of my biggest goals is to go see St. Patrick's. I have not been there yet. I will definitely be going this year because I really want to see it. And for me, when you, you gather little bits of information and you see slightly different things on virtually every golf course you go to, but to me, to me the key is making it look like it existed you you really want to make it look like it just you basically found this place and you put 18 tea boxes in and 18 greens and you carved out a few bunkers and you moved on your way and that that to me is the ultimate goal with the friars head is a uh, you know friars head for the people that don't know is arguably the best golf course core crenshaw ever did along with the sand hills in nebraska and it's uh, i rank it you know, I pretty much always have um, Friars Head in my top 20 in the world. It's, it's, it's out on Long Island, New York, not far from Shinnecock, Maidstone, Maidstone you know, and, and a bunch of other great golf courses. But it's probably the best golf course on Long Island, period. In an area full of great golf courses, it's the best one. Wow. So it really is a combination of those blowout bunkers, which you see on a lot of the Lynx courses, but then the, the native, ex, the exposed areas between golf holes and around where you see sandy scrub areas and native grasses in vast areas. And that will be um, a particular feature that you're going to see here at Curraclo. So I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the, the routing graphic that, that was sent on with the press release. And I imagine that was, that was done by, by yourselves. In between the holes then, is that going to be kind of wasteland, long grass, course, uh, have you looked at how you're going to introduce or maintain the, the natural environment between the walks? Mm, it's all, it will all be uh, non-irrigated fescue. Yeah. So that's everything there. Uh, the only piece that's not going to be including the greens and the green surrounds. I mean, so again, we are on, um, you know, many meters of sand, so it's going to drain wonderfully and play just like you would expect a Lynx course to play with tight surrounds, you know, around the greens. But the areas in between the holes that you're noting, you know, that's going to be uh, thin fescue and it will give way to some sandy dunes, uh, of course, uh, in between. The only thing that is has another type of grass would be as most modern and now even going back to some of the older links and putting in uh, a mix of the perennial ryegrass and fescue for the walkways because this will be a walking golf course. Um, so you can obviously you're looking at the lay out there and you can pick out the walkways, which of course will be used for maintenance as well. I guess one of the, one of the biggest questions that, that has to be asked is from the, I guess, environmental perspective, Ireland and, and UK and British Isles are now very, very heavily regulated in terms of what can and can't be done to golf courses. How significant a challenge or hurdle has that been so far? Or, or I guess, has that challenging hurdle yet to arise? No, all the permits are in place, but it was a 28-year challenge to get all the permits. Of course, that was they started on this long before Dana and I were involved. Um, but yes, I mean, that was 
it, it's new to the golf scene just because, you know, now golf designers, you know, ourselves have been selected. The layout is, you know, is finalized and the permits are in place, but it was a quarter of a century in the making. So it's just a lot of it sort of was toiling behind the scenes and it didn't get a lot of media uh, press, you know, and for good reason, obviously it was just, you know, a long, long road. Um, but, you know, things are in place now. Everything is finalized. All the permits are in place and we're ready to break ground. So you're saying that ground is being broken now this week to, that this episode is being published. How big is the team? And I guess, uh, I, guess I, I imagine it's a number of local contractors that you're using. Is it a, is it a large team? Yeah, so Dar Golf is going to be uh, the golf course contractor doing it. Of course, they're prolific in their mm-hmm. Irish base and prolific work, you know, lots of links. Uh, so, and then uh, that's this coming week, you know, they'll have some boots on the ground. They're doing some surveying, um, you know, taking off into the old vegetation where the golf is going to go. Uh, so it's just still steadily ramp up and then they'll have a big crew in place, uh, especially after the weather breaks a little bit. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, uh, we'll start with a smallish crew and then in the next week or two, and then it'll just continue to ramp up. Um, of course, we've got turf grass, uh, which is uh, the agronomy team, which is on site, and they're based out of Dublin. That's John Clarkin and Julian Mooney. Uh, so, you know, we've got um, you know we've got a great team in place to move forward. When it comes to a golf course design philosophy and the questions that you want to ask of of the golfer that's going to be played in this course, so it's it's well, I think it's said to be what six thousand six hundred yard par seventy golf course. What what's the what's the big question that you want to ask of a go, of a golfer when they're coming to play the go, play your course and specifically Kirklow like what wh- where do you want to be challenging them primarily what questions do you want to be asking of them? Well, I'd, I'd be interested to hear Dana's response to this too. But you know, I will say from my side of things, Johnny, you know, it was clear at the very beginning or given to us in the design brief that this is not intended to be a golf course, you know, that is necessarily to host the Irish Open, for for instance. Uh, you know, this is filling a niche, as you had mentioned earlier, when we were having a, uh, our sort of initial conversation in the sunny southeast of Ireland. You know, there are few, if any, uh, golf courses that are on the road that a lot of, for example, North Americans play. I just brought friends and family. I love to come over and play, you know, besides just doing work. But you know, it's just a classic case of people going from Kinsale and Old Head, and then they cut across and they go to uh, maybe the European club or vice versa, and they sort of skip that whole corner of the country. Some people who have done multiple trips, you know, may know of Rosslair and they'll make, maybe make the trip down there and play. But, you know, is that sort of one of the old hidden gems, if you will? But, you know, it was clear that, listen, we want people to come and enjoy this corner of Ireland. We want them to come and have fun. And, you know, that's what this golf course is about. It's supposed to be visually stimulating and a whole boatload of fun to play. And that's really what the focus is. Now, I mean, once you're there, it doesn't mean that it's uh, not a strategic golf course. You know, Dana can speak to that. But, you know, that that was sort of the design brief and the approach that we took. Yeah, the most important thing is to make this playable and fun for all golfers. Because many times... And there's even some courses in Ireland that people talk about that are probably too difficult for the vast majority of golfers. They may go once or twice because of the scenery or the settings, but it's not a place they want to repeat, go back to. And this is a place we want to make people want to go back to. 
And um, again, you can do that because we have the width to create, you know, wider landing areas to where, you know, because we know how windy it can get there. So you want to have wide corridor spaces in, but you can still do your bunkers where they're visually, you know, cut into the hillsides where the only way you can really get it into some of them are flying it into them where, and you'll have other bunkers strategically placed that you have to navigate through, through the fairways in more, you know, center line bunkers and things like that. But the real key is to make it playable. It is the absolute number one thing that has to happen there. And I think that for me, a lot of the fun is going to come from the ground game there, right? Because of the sand base, we have the ability to do that. And of course, people always ask and say, how do you make it challenging and interesting and thought provoking for better golfers who understand that, um, you know, versus somebody who just wants to get around and hit the ball? Well, the ground contours here are going to be, you know, help us to be able to do that. Whereas somebody is just trying to get it in the middle of the green and maybe have a 20 footer for a par or bogey and the better players maybe trying to hit a recovery shot and you're trying to get it within a few feet. Um, you know, those ground contours can play a mate will play a major role in the design. I'm just looking at, as I said, at the, at the image here. So for people that, that have, don't have the graphic here or haven't seen it, would you be able to talk through the, the land and I guess the, the, the routing, um, I, I, I guess sometimes when it comes to old Lincoln's golf courses, particularly in Ireland, the clubhouse is always set away from the ocean. It's always like the furthest part away from the big vistas and the big, big viewpoints, starting with the clubhouse and then getting into the course, I guess, is, mm -hmm. does that, does that hold true here as well? No, it's actually uh, a little bit different. So the Neville group, they built a, a hotel in the middle of the property, which is, so there's a, we'll call it a main road, Johnny, but it's a quintessential Irish two-lane road with rock walls on either side so take that for what it's worth but you know there's a road that splits the property and then there's the hotel which is right off there the main road and so uh, you know that part of it is cozy it's at the base of a big hill it's actually fairly well hidden from the rest of the golf we did not want to have the clubhouse inside you know, that hotel the hotel uh, as you know, I mean, it's uh, you get lots of folks from Dublin who will go down during the nicer weather and they take holiday there, right? They go to the beach, of course, Curaclo Beach being just right there. So it gives them another place to stay. Um, but it was also intended to be overflow for the golf. So, or somebody maybe can't afford to stay in the golf villas, which there'll be 22 golf villas on the property, uh, you know, that they could choose to stay at the hotel and still play the golf course, but, you know, albeit at a total lower price point. So the clubhouse uh, is small. It's actually, if for those reader or readers and listeners who might be familiar with King's Barns, it's about the same size as King's Barn. So it's basically, it's a clubhouse, more like a bar, less like a clubhouse. So the bar uh, and, and the intent is to have an Irish uh, whiskey bar inside. And so you have an Irish whiskey bar, you know, a couple of showers, um, you know, for folks to uh, take a shower and change. And then the 22 villas, you know, around that. And they all have long uh, vistas down the valley across the Gulf and right out, you know, to, to the dunes and the sea. So it's actually some of the nicer views uh, right from there. So the Gulf will stretch out. It's non-returning, um, although the ninth actually stops near the hotel. So people can use that as a halfway house, if you will. So it stretches out across uh, actually pretty calm rolling terrain in comparison to some of the rollicking back nine if you will um, we'll cross underneath uh, the road there's a tunnel there so everything is walkable and close 
And then you get into the back nine and as Dana mentioned, you know, those are where the bigger hills and dunes and valleys are. Um, you know, that part of it, there's a, a big sand ridge that goes up high. Some of the greens and tees are located right on that sand ridge and have awesome views out uh, to the sea and then all the way even into Wexford and down into the harbor, which is really cool. Um, as you get further north uh, and through the valleys, you lose sight of the sea, but again, awesome topography and everything that surrounds that back nine is just sort of quintessential Irish. So loads of sheep farms and we have thousands of sheep milling around and it's just, uh, you know, it's every, and gorse and rock wall roads and it's just everything that, uh, you know, a person might think of, of Ireland. And then of course you come back, um, you finish right at the top of the sand ridge overlooking the town of Wexford that's the 17th hole you cross down and then the 18th place right up uh, to the clubhouse so it's fun it's yeah it's going to be a lot of fun a lot of interest and a lot of variety from the, the you mentioned the, the the dunescape on the back nine how, how large are those dunes and then I guess how big is the elevation change from your lowest point to the uh, the highest point I guess how tough a walk is, is probably what the question that I'm asking uh, well, I mean, it's from the very lowest point of the golf to the very highest point is about 40 meters and change, you know, so it's not, uh, you know, it, it, I would say it's fairly significant, but we make all of that up uh, in many holes. So you're not doing any large climbs, um, you know, at any one shot. So probably the biggest, you know, uh, transition, if you was on eight and nine, but if you look at those two holes and the layout and the rooting plan, they're picking that all, all of a bunch of that elevation on all of that elevation up you know within two golf holes and then you're up on top of the ridge and then you continue to climb as you meander back and forth throughout the back nine okay yeah very good very interesting uh so it's it's, it's a kind of a gradual climb over those what eight nine and then up into the dunes kind of from correct our five tenth it looks like yeah that actually played dana actually found that hole right at the very beginning that was uh we got out there and he says this must be a golf hole <laughs> and i agree with him but it was he said this might be one of the best golf holes that we've ever designed uh, it's just so dramatic so that par five that plays right up through the valley and then the next hole which is a really cool par three uh it's it's actually fairly level from tee to green but it plays over a huge chasm of gorse yeah um, it's really neat yeah. With that, with that road as a backdrop, which is really cool to an American for sure, because you have the, <laughs> yeah. the rock walls and this is gravel road turning around in the corner at the gorse and the sheep. It is awesome. Dan, what did you see then for that tenth hole that you were like, "This has to be a hole"? Like that was almost what I was what I was getting at earlier on. Is when you get. Well, I remember that uh, being the eleventh hole, actually, not ten. Uh, the eleven's where I always thought a hole should go, and twelve. Everybody that saw twelve knew twelve should be there too, because I think those are probably the two most dramatic. There's a, <laughs> the course is full of dramatic golf holes. Those two might be the most dramatic, and they land on number eleven. Not a lot needs to be done. It just really is. You know, you're hitting up off from a high, a high hill over a little valley, and and then the, the landing area is self-evident when you're standing there in between the the dunes on the left and right. And, you know, cutting those bunkers in will be a lot of fun to do because it's it's that's really going to look dramatic. And then uh, obviously when you when you're on when we got up by where we thought the green would be, then it was trying to find the tees for the par three, which are just strung along a ridge line, and you hit over. Jason said that chasm to that green, which is really really something. 
It it looks like it's a, a classic classic link stock golf course where tee boxes for the next hole are, are set very close to, to close yeah. to the green sites. The green sites themselves, then are these like um I, I know Danny, you haven't you said you haven't played St Patrick's, but St Patrick's the green sites are massive, and there's nearly like three to four greens worth of land within the size of the greens. Are we looking at smaller green sites like older, like traditional, say? Irish links golf courses, or are are these way bigger with lots of different kind of undulations on them? Yeah, I don't think that I'm going to jump in because I, I actually have played St. Patrick's. And so I was, I don't even know if awestruck was the right word, but when you've got two, two and a half meter elevation changes in some of those greens, Johnny, you know, that was, uh, that place is the moon. Yeah, I don't think that that's what we're aiming for. <laughs> and I'm okay, not exactly good. I, I, I got beaten up that day playing Patrick. So yeah, no, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, Dana, we, I, you know, we'll, we'll do thought provoking greens and maybe some wild contours in the middle, but I don't know about six to eight foot steps in the greens. <laughs> the only place we've ever done that was on the, which they've reversed nines, but it used to be number uh 15 at uh, the devil's paintbrush. Now I think it's number six. That has about a three meter step in it, believe it or not. That was by far the most severe green we've ever done. That's one hole though, not maybe nine or 10 of them. No. Right I mean, you're telling me there's two to three meter grade changes and sounds like several greens. I bet I yes. can't wait to see that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a world of its own, Patrick's. It's yeah, it's something. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to see it. But yeah, our greens won't be near that severe. Uh, and will they? Will, will how how big kind of complexes are we? Are we talking here from the green sites? We have to switch it over into metric, Johnny. But I would say you know they'll be on the larger side. But our larger to us maybe seven thousand square feet, maybe eight thousand square feet. But it's all going to change. That's one of the things I think which is so cool about this place is that there's going to be some holes which the green may be tiny. Uh, and then other ones that may be very large and thought provoking. That's one of the things that we, Dana and I do. I mean, we're going to, both of us will spend a, an inordinate amount of time in the field here and crafting things. And so I don't know that there ever is a sort of a predisposed, you know, thought. I think it's just going to depend on that hole as it evolves, the types of shots that we want people to be, you know, to challenge people to be hitting into as it, with so many of the world's best traditional links. I mean, it's, a lot of people come to me and say, well, it's a really long par four. So the green must, you know, warrant to be very big. Well, I mean, we can start rattling off a lot of interesting, you know, holes and links where the green may be tiny. Now the surrounds may be large, but the green itself may be tiny or vice versa. I mean, there could be a really short hole with a massive green with bigger contours, you know, in it. So a lot of it's going to evolve as we're out in the field. As Dana said, the biggest thing is you're going to want to make sure that it just looks like you were finding these contours and said, well, this is where green belonged. How much does the, the, the whole evolve then from where it is currently to the actual construction and build of it now? I, I imagine no hole will change in its entirety, but I imagine they'll, they'll evolve throughout the construction. Yeah. I mean, we have a, yeah, yeah, we have an idea where the big contours and things go, but I mean, in terms of, bunker placement and fairway con you know when i say fairway contours i'm talking about humps bumps greens contours all of that stuff you know mow lines all of that stuff will get set in the field 
from from your own final thoughts before we before we wrap up, what are you each most excited about for this project? Well, for me, I mean, it's been and it's you know I'm ten years older than Jason, but since I got into business, I've always wanted to work in Ireland and Scotland. That's where every as he said, every golf architect uh, will do it. I also love to travel like a lot, like probably more than anybody you've ever met in your lifetime or will meet in your lifetime. And I like also, because when I go over there, I'm gonna immerse myself in the culture. I mean, I may go there, be on the job site for two or three days. I may drive around the country for a couple of days and then come back for two or three. And by the time I'm done, I hope to have seen the whole country, places that I've not been to before. Because I used to just go for golf. Now I go for other things because I'm really into historical sightseeing and everything else. So it's so that's a big part of it for me is the experience, the real Ireland outside of just golf is a big part of it. And that is, and on top of that, we really believe and know we can build one of the great golf courses in Ireland. I mean, in a place full of great golf courses, we want to put another golf course right there at that level where it becomes a must play for all, especially the Americans. I mean, you know, there every American golfer that's really a diehard golfer, almost every single one of them wants to go to play golf once in Scotland and once in Ireland. And we want them to want to go play at Curraclough because it's got that reputation. And, and that's, that's the mindset both of us have and the owner as well. Yeah. Well said. I think those are all dying for me too. I mean, those are all wonderful points. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I love going to Ireland is because of the people and the experiences you have. Now we have some friends actually have, um, have bought summer homes there and, um, you know, they're American, but they actually have Irish kin. And so they built, you know, built a house or bought a house there. Uh, I've already been invited to go fishing and bird hunting all over Ireland. So I'm excited about that. Besides just the golf, I'm a big outdoorsman. Uh, but, you know, from a, from a work perspective, there's no question. I mean, it's always a dream to have worked in Ireland or Scotland. And so this fulfills one of those dreams. You know, we love what we do. We love to build golf. We love to travel. We love to be immersed in the local culture and really no better place to do it than Ireland. I, I guess we're obviously as an Irishman, I'm spoiled because you can drive for four hours and you can get to any corner of Ireland. You can play any golf course you want within reason, reason, when weather permitting. So from an outsider's perspective, I'd love to get both of your opinions on, on why Irish golf is so special, because we, we definitely take it for granted when we're here. <laughs> I can give you a, a it's the a part of it is only the experience right i mean so again i go back to my own experiences and taking friends and family there uh you know that's i we call them jason's death trips you know where we go out and we'll play 15 courses in 10 days or you know but i'm talking about in all corners of the country Oof. so you know when one trip we were coming across and we had a motor coach and somebody had to use the loo so we'd stop the pharmacy was closed and the only other thing that was open was the local pub we wandered in and there were about 30 big burly uh, rugby players inside and you know, they sort of gave us you know the look cross-eyed until i looked and i said wow you got murphy's on tap here and they went oh you know murphy's do you well we poured out of that pub about two hours later with 30 rugby friends <laughs> so i mean but that's just part of the cool experience right You've, you know, people will say that you've, you know, it's you've, you always have friends in Ireland, and it's true. 
So I yep. think that's a big part. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, um, right? So it's it's to have people go and experience that culture, which is part of the golf culture there. You know, it's just a, it blends seamlessly together. And, uh, and I, I think that that's just, uh, it's a wonderful experience everybody should have at least once in their life. For me, it's, 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 as I get older and I've, you know, I've worked on, I don't even know, 125 golf courses now, probably from scratch. And it could be more, it's probably even more than that. Um, the greatest part of our job is the, is the relationships you build with people. Uh, clients in many cases become best friends, but it's just, and we, you know, and John Clark and, and the people that work with Turfgrass are already very close friends, as are a few other. As I told you, you know, Sean O'Flaherty is one of my closest friends, and I've gotten to know Rory pretty well. And just to experience all that, do it in their country, and then get to work on a, one of the great projects in the country, and then experience the country. To me, that is, that's what. At this point in my life, I'm God willing, I'll be able to do this another 20 years, 20 plus years. Uh, but this probably is going to be the only golf course I'm ever going to do in Ireland. And uh, I want to make it one of the most memorable experiences of my life on every single trip. You know, and I hope to go twice a month for the next year or year and a half, however long this takes to get to, to make that happen. And I think and I know Jason feels the same way. We just. You know, he, he wants to do more of the bird hunting and the fishing and whatever. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm going to go to every castle in Ireland. And I've been, I've been to a lot of them, but I'm going to go to the rest of them. And I'll go to look at every artifact and every historical part of Ireland is just because that's what I like to do. I, I immerse myself in the country's histories. Well, isn't uh, hopefully I'll get to check in with both of you on some of your many trips, uh, not only yeah. to the golf course but around Ireland. So if you if you need a straggler or you just want a tour guide for one of the co corners, uh, let me know. I'd love to spend a bit of time with you whilst you're here. Um, I think I want to watch you putt on the greens at St. Patrick's at here. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to watch that. No one wants to watch that. <laughs> um, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.